Now, what would be the odds that that was happening again, that that wasn't a new report? Was that a new report or an old report? That's what I'm asking. Is it a new report or an old report? Is that a new report? Well, we don't know. When a seasoned sports fan teams up with a millennial, opinions may vary, but the debates assuredly won't disappoint. Check your sources. It's New Report, Old Report. Here's your hosts, John Lund and Al Renato. Well, Al, another exciting week in athletics. College football wrapped up its week one. Nobody circles the wagons quite like the National Football League, and at long last it has returned. Major League Baseball has its playoff races going, and if you care about tennis, that's happening as well. But starting in college football, because that happened already, and we will be talking about what will happen, hopefully, in the National Football League, if you're into that sort of thing. It was an interesting week one to start. It always is when most of the teams try to play easy opponents to kick things off and kind of start their season on the right note. But when teams try to do that or attempt to do that and then lose, that's when eyebrows quickly get raised. And that's something that happened to several different teams across college football, one of which was the team that made it to the national championship game last year in TCU, which decided to host Colorado, not knowing, obviously, when they hosted such a game that Deion Sanders would be the head coach, his son would be quarterback, and he'd have somebody playing wide receiver and defensive back at the same time in the same game. Colorado, who many predicted to win just three games or a half more, if you're into that sort of thing, goes into TCU and wins 45-42. A back-and-forth battle. TCU made some critical mistakes. They've got a quarterback that had to sit the bench all last year behind Max Duggan, although he did win the starting job before the season started. He got hurt in the first game, and that was it. Max Duggan ran away with it all the way to New York for a Heisman chance. Chandler Morris was at quarterback. He's just getting to feel how college football is at that high speed again, and he's going up against the Colorado team that has everyone and their brother knew that Dion pulled from the transfer portal or from other schools. And it was an exciting game if you just wanted to see what all the fuss was about. Dion didn't disappoint. He hasn't disappointed, really, in most of his life. There's some people that just find success somehow, always. They seem to come on top no matter what they do. They talk about it, and then they walk it. And Dion's one of those dudes. He's been saying for months now, nobody believes. Well, after they won, he takes to the press conference table and immediately starts chirping. You believe now? You don't believe. How about now? Do you believe? And he's going after Ed Warder, of all people, who doesn't cover college football and hasn't for decades. He's probably just there if there's a Cowboys tie to Dion somehow. All of the media wants to be in that room to see what's going to happen after the first game. He happened to be the one that he went after and said, you don't believe. I read all that bull junk you were writing about. You don't believe. And Ed's like, What are you talking about, dude? I didn't write anything about you. So it's just interesting that that's who got picked on. It would have been somebody else had it not been Ed. Maybe Dion felt like he could go after Ed if they have a decent relationship from his time in the NFL. But anyway, it's a 
unexpected way to start the college football season when the first main game on Fox with Gus Johnson screaming as he does is the Colorado TCU game. Balling out of the booth. As he always does. This was his first time to shine, so he had to let it go. Had a couple mistakes that the internet picked out. Some of them not very good, but that happens. Get the cobwebs off first game. It's Deion's world, and we're just living in it. Now he gets to play Nebraska. Matt Rule's team disappointed in the first week. The cameras continue to follow this football program around. His son, Shador, basically said, hey, I'm a Heisman candidate. Travis Hunter basically said, hey, I'm a Heisman candidate playing both sides. Shohei Otani, my ass. Check me out. At an interception, a great receiving day. It was honestly like watching a Friday night football game at the local high school where Dion's the coach. He's the former player. He's the guy. His son is playing. That's why he's coaching. The quarterback's the best player on the field. His wide receiver plays both ways. He's the second best player in the field. And they just went out and whooped ass. Now TCU kept it close. They're going to regret some things from it. I don't think they're let's as bad as that loss calm, is. But people are excited, down. Al. Colorado. Calm down. You don't whoop believe. Dash, whoop dash is not winning the game by three points. Whoop dash is, you know, 42 to 13. And let's give primetime credit. He obviously can coach. He did a great job at Jackson State of getting talent. He has turned over, what, 65 new players on this team. I... He's brash. He's an all-time NFL player. He's one of the fastest guys we've ever seen go around the bases. He played Major League Baseball for the Braves uh, and the Reds uh, and the Yankees. He could fly. He could fly. Wonderful athlete. Tremendous. Absolutely all-time athlete. But, you know, the old report would prefer if he didn't, after the game, talk like he was preaching from the pulpit. Uh, you don't have to do with the, you know, the fan. Maybe, maybe you do. Maybe you do to keep the, to keep it going, to keep the shill and the show going, to keep people on board, you know, to satisfy everybody who's looking to see the show, uh, and maybe he'll calm down as they get a little further along. But kudos to him and his kid. His son played great. You know, obviously, he brought his son with him from Jackson State, and he had an incredible game over 500 yards, and uh, obviously he's two-way wide receiver did as well. But it's a TCU team that gave up, you know, 112 points in the national championship game and lost their quarterback and a lot more. Uh, we'll, we'll see how it goes in the Big 12. It's your conference. You know better than me. Yeah, the, the Oklahoma and Texas are out there, but you know, it's not exactly uh, a juggernaut this year in my mind, you know, like running through the SEC or even the Big Ten. So, uh, he, he talked the talk and you walked the walk. Absolutely. His team played you know, very well. They beat the team that played in the national championship game last year. Uh, granted, not nearly the same team, but still beat them. Uh, didn't whoop ass like you alluded to. Then they didn't take out the can ass whooping and put it on them. But, uh, you know, they did enough to win. And they went up and down the field. And obviously his kid is, uh, has made a statement. First game of the year, I wouldn't put him in the Heisman, uh, you know, trip to New York yet. But it certainly is, you know, he showed up and got it done, plain and simple. And uh, one game, but we'll see how much of uh, an improvement and how much of a uh, 
an example is set for the rest of the conference that Colorado is back after a long, long, long absence. And my apologies. I, I spoke like they were already in the Big 12. It's not your conference. They're still in the Pac-12 this year, are they not? Are they, they are. Are they in your conference already? They are, yeah. We're keeping an right. eye on them, obviously. But yeah, one more year in the Pac-12. Right. right. So they still, they're, they're, we're in the last year of the Pac-12. And they are still there. Uh, which has a very good Oregon team, which is a very good USC team. Uh, we will see how they stack up. Uh, but, you know, it, it is a mediocre conference. So they should be able to beat up uh, on some of these teams. Stanford is mediocre. UCLA is mediocre. Uh, you know, Oregon State's pretty good. Wazoo, you know, mediocre. Uh, the Arizona's not very good. So there are teams that they will, uh, you know, they will put, put an ass whooping on, but it won't be Utah and it won't be Oregon. Uh, and it probably won't be USA. Although I'm sure they'll score against that hideous USC defense as USC's opponent did in their opener. Uh, but the defending Heisman Trophy winner uh, put on his usual show in game one. And uh, as, as you said, great start for Colorado. Got it done. Uh, spectacular on offense, mediocre at best on defense, and uh, you know Dion chirped, and he's entitled. He's entitled. He, he turned over basically the entire team, and uh, you know they got their first win against a program that uh, played for the national title last year. So, kudos to Neon Dion and his son and his new program and the Colorado Buffs. I'm interested to see what happens once the wheels fall off not to say that the season's going to be a loss and when the wheels fall off like they win two games total but eventually you're going to lose a football game i would think right and you'll probably end up losing several that's nothing new to most of college football that happens how is his demeanor going to be after that you know if you string together three or four losses what are we saying at the podium now are we still taking questions from the reporters? Are we going to get a lot of next questions, next questions? Because, I mean, the people in that room, some of them aren't happy about how that was we'll, handled, and we'll, it makes we'll, sense. We'll see how he handles uh, adversity when it comes. Is he going to stand up like the quality coaches do and deal with the press? Or, you know, is he going to chirp back, shut down, and uh, – and, and, you know, be arrogant and be in attack mode and uh, not be humble. Uh, because you would think at some point he is going to get, and they are going to get humbled this year. Uh, so we'll have to wait and see. But, you know, Oregon put up 81 in their opener. So there is some competition in the conference. As we said, USC's got a ton of offense and defending uh, Heisman Trophy winner. So we'll see how the 65 or so transferees or through the portal, or however else came through, uh, obviously to rejuvenate for at least one game. But certainly uh, the excitement is there, the attitude is there, and we know they're going to be much better than they've been in the past by the simple fact that, the, that they've got a guy who is leading uh, the way you want a coach to do. Did it last year at Jackson State. He's doing it here. And look, these kids, it's a different era. It's a 
different era, as you know, since you're the new report and I'm the old report. Used to be you looked up to, co- up to coaches as coaches. Now you got guys who are coaches and you looked up to them as players because they're not that far removed you know, from being a player. Uh, and you know, Dion is idolized by his players, not as a coach, but as a player. So but we'll see how long that carries over in a Pac-12 conference. Uh, but I think they're going to I think it'll be pretty good. I'm not going to sit and say they're going to go 10-2, and two, uh, but I don't think they're going 5-7. and seven. Uh, We'll see. One game, long way to go. Long you know, way to go. But you know, obviously, uh, when they get it done, he's not going to let you forget that he said they no. get it done. No, and especially to have your son throw for 5-10 and four touchdowns, breaking Colorado records throughout the way, and a two-way guy that Sonny Dykes was – talking about in the post game, like I'm not sure why a couple of my players were cramping up in the fourth quarter. I know it was hot, but they got a dude out there playing both ways. He wasn't cramping. So it was a good, exciting way in a couple different senses to kick off the college football season where everyone was watching that game on a Saturday type of deal across college football. Not a ton of upsets in the top 25 and not necessarily a ton of excitement. Nothing really of note. Let's call a spade a spade, okay? You had the one big game uh, on Sunday when it was tight early, and then Florida State, which we talked about last week. You know, we were curious to see how they would do on the grand stage. <clears throat> they passed with flying colors, and uh, you know Brian Kelly again uh, in an early important game got embarrassed as Florida State just blew LSU out of the building in the second half. It was ugly. And then, of course, you're waiting post-game to see what Brian Kelly's going to have to say about it, and he always has incredible press conferences for the way he has answers about things. Take responsibility for that one, man. I mean, I don't know what else to say. This was supposed to be a back-and-forth type of affair. It was supposed to be something that both teams could be excited about, and after the second half started, that was it. It was over for LSU, shockingly so. I mean, I know they have a new type of offense situation with Jaden Daniels at quarterback and how that's going to work out. But Jordan Travis said, hey, man, see you in New York. Again, we're making Heisman jokes after week one. Everybody relax. But he had an incredible game to throw up 45 and basically say, in a sense, we're the team to beat in the ACC. And you thought, okay, let's see if Clemson can follow suit on Monday. No, I don't think so. Absolutely not. You're getting field stormed by Duke. Duke. Clemsoning Duke. is back in such two a fumbles big way. Inside, two fumbles inside the 10-yard line, one at the one. Uh, and the Duke quarterback playing incredibly well. And uh, Dabo's, uh, Dabo's offense looked out of sorts as did Dabo. And uh, we'll see. Is this, you know, because... You're, you're hearing it already. Uh, they're calling it the beginning of the end. Greeny, Greeny, already asking, you know, Dabo Sweeney, we, we thought he would be the one. Uh, he's the one who's going to displace you know, Nick Saban. And now, you know, Clemson, is, is this the last we've seen of uh, Dabo Sweeney and Clemson being a national title contender? So they're already 
pulling the dirt uh, on the Clemson Tigers. I'm not going to disagree. I'm just going to say, let's wait a couple games. But the point is, they have not looked good. Uh, Last year, we ripped their quarterback to shreds. Uh, He was hideous. And they went to the freshman late, who injected some uh, some excitement. But they got crushed uh, at the end of the season. And game one against Duke was just out and out embarrassing. Embarrassing turnovers, uh, very sloppy on offense. I, I thought they got outplayed on both lines of scrimmage. Yeah. And as you said, Duke stormed the field. What else can you say? It's just, we're not talking about Cameron Indoor here. We're talking about an outdoor facility. And, it's just uh, amazing to go from what Dion did, tearing up the team like a, a house that was fallen down and he wanted to rebuild, to Dabo just refusing to use the transfer portal. I don't need it. Our recruiting's good enough. This is the way. All right, man. You don't want to evolve with college football and keep up with the times. And you'd rather say a couple years ago, like the day players get paid, I'm leaving. <laughs> you're still there. Cause you're making a pretty penny being the head coach of Clemson. Not going to throw that away quite yet, but to just have that type of ego to say, nah, I'll be fine. Not in 2023, man. You can't just assume everything's going to work out recruiting wise. That's not how this works. And recruiting has worked for you. Certainly. But maybe it's because you've had two literal historical quarterbacks in ACC history guide your team to national championships once for each of them to two national championships, appearances in the college football playoff. But those were generational talents at the quarterback position that you happened upon in college football. You thought you were going to get three in a row and the guy stunk and you stuck with them way too long. Way because you didn't long. want to admit that you were wrong. Way, way and too And now you, the guy you threw him aside for didn't have it in the first game. We said for an entire season that that quarterback was a huge mistake. Let's take a quick break to pay the bills. He's Al Renato. I'm John Lund. We'll be right back with the new report, old report here on Sports Radio America. We welcome you back. I'm John Lund. He's Al Renato, and this is the new report, old report. And you know, we talk about the transfer portal. And in the meantime, before we leave college football, the NCAA has just committed yet another atrocity uh, with respect to the, the kid in North Carolina, whose last appeal was denied again for reasons someone's going to have to explain to me. Yes, I'm an attorney, but I don't get it. I simply don't get it. This kid transfers for the second time before there was any before there was any announcement that guys who transferred or gals who transferred for a second time without uh, you know, the requisite uh, reasoning, mental health, or whatever the case may be, uh, would have to sit out the year. The old the old rules. Uh, he was in North Carolina. Tez Walker, this is for anybody who hasn't heard the story. He he was in class for two days when they announced this this new rule, January 11th. Don't crack down on the waivers. Being instantly eligible. He's at class already. What are we doing? This this kid who transferred, he started school with the notion he'd be able to play, and two days later they announced the rule change. But 
their excuses. Well, in the meantime, it, it, we enacted the rule previously. Well, you know, how about telling people? Are, are we going to tell anybody that we changed the rules? And in the meantime, this kid hasn't played football in forever because his first school dropped football. And you know, during the uh, the pandemic, and he transfers, and uh, then he moves over to North Carolina. He hasn't played, and both of those schools were in support of him having the waiver. He's got the mental health documentation, been taking care of his grandmother. I mean, this is what the NCAA is about. This is what it's about. Kids on the sideline rooting for his teammates, and he can't play for another year when you got guys who are 28 years old transferring for a third and fourth time, playing at their fifth school, you know, after the additional years of eligibility because of COVID, getting you know, get money, transferring to school after school to get NIL money. And you got 26, 27, 28 year olds playing against guys that are 20. Come on. What are we doing? You let these guys, these guys bounce indiscriminately from school to school where they played year after year. These guys even played. And don't get me wrong. I I am one that you get, I'm blue. You get one free transfer, get one freebie. And then after that, you have to sit out a year. But this guy's transfer was for different reasons. The school stopped playing. They dropped the program. So what, what, what exactly, what, what purpose is this serving? Where's the greater good? Isn't it supposed to be about college athletics and student athletes and what's best for the kids? What, what am I missing here? Good for Mac Brown. He went ballistic on the NCAA. Good for Sean McDonough. He's a great announcer, and I love the fact that he you know, he ripped into the NCAA because they deserve it. This is just an, this is a sin what they're doing. This kid, shameful, absolutely shameful. As Mac Brown said, and his letter talking about this and what he wrote in regards to the NCAA's decision. Shame on you, NCAA. Shame on you, exclamation point, all caps. If Mac Brown ever sent me a message that said, shame on you, exclamation point, I wouldn't sleep for a week. It's like the parents saying, we're not angry, we're not mad, we're just disappointed. <laughs> when you got Mac Brown, of all people, coming after you for being an idiot, sit in the corner and think about what you've done. It's a shocking ruling like the NCAA thinks all these players across college football are out to like gotcha them and they're going to try to beat the system and beat this waiver new transfer rule by like fabricating mental health or making up that their grandmother's sick. How many players do you think are going to try to gotcha? And if they do, it shouldn't take you long to figure out that you've been had or they're trying to get you. Hey, why don't we check and see if his grandmother's actually sick or not? Oh, he doesn't have a grandmother? No, no. You almost got us. Ten seconds. It's very disappointing. But somebody's battling mental health. They're taking care of their grandmother. They're finally going back home to play football and finally play it after a school just decided they weren't going to have football anymore. And he's been sitting on the sidelines. It couldn't be a more joyous thing to a more devastating moment. And for what? What precedent is this setting? 
Nobody's trying to get you, NCAA. You've fucked up half the stuff that you've tried to take advantage of. You did nothing when NIL came around. You're trying to so backtrack on everything that's went on. Why now? It, 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 it's a total mess. It's not, it's not just the wild, wild west. It's the wild, wild mess. Because they have let it just run rampant, get out of control, where you don't know who's going where. And you know, to his credit, John Calipari you know, said that there are a ton of kids out there who are not getting scholarships because coaches are holding back scholarships for potential transfers you know, and, and guys to come through the portal. And you know, juniors, seniors, graduate transfers, et cetera, instead of kids coming out of high school uh, you know, or younger kids who want to transfer, they're not getting opportunities because these other kids who've been around forever, and don't get me wrong, you know, play till they rip the jersey off you. I understand. Play as long as you can, as long as you comply. But it, what they've allowed to happen you know, with these rules is really turned into, you know, a catches catch can. It's like you know, I hate to use the term, it's like a Chinese fire drill. You don't know who's playing where and when. You don't know who's getting scholarship. You don't know who's staying. You don't know who's leaving. And you, you got kids who've been playing five, six, seven years. You know, because of the COVID additional eligibility uh, opportunities and not having to sit out. So they just bounce indiscriminately from school to school, throwing the NIL money. And you got guys getting a couple hundred thousand dollars not even playing. It's, a, it's an embarrassment. And the NCAA sits back and they worry about this kid. After they pass a rule, after the kid already started school. I, I, I mean, which doesn't belong and why? How, how could we explain this any better than this is just a, a clusterfuck by an organization that can't get out of its own way and year after year after year shows that they couldn't care less about the kids, which is what they're supposed to be governing, ruling. Everything they're supposed to do is supposed to be for the benefit of the universities and the players slash student athletes and you know, when they do something like this and even on the appeals they can't recognize the urgency of the situation and the equities of the situation and you know, as as we've said before the ncaa will take an elephant gun to shoot an ant on the wall so when they operate and this is a perfect example it is shameful. And especially not to keep piling on on, of course, you should make the decision because of this, but you, you have so many different places and outlets and people voicing their support, backing his decision, et cetera, et cetera. And the NCAA just still put their nose up to it. No, they just turned a blind eye. They turn a blind eye. They have no ability to admit that they're wrong and they won't right or wrong. Gabe Eichert said this today on Big 12 Radio. Shameless plug. Mac Brown should just play the kid. What are they going to do? Have somebody from the NCAA run on the field and pull him off during the game? Are they going to say after the game, the wind is forfeited because that kid yeah, played? Yeah, that's what they'll do. Everybody that's saw the do. game get played. Everybody that's knows they do. won. That's what they'll do. They'll take away the wins. Uh, and you have to deal with coaches on the other side. So, 
And unfortunately, yeah. it's not a player like Caleb Williams, for example, if this were to happen, where you might consider it. And then say, you know what? If we keep this up, let's go to court. Because that's worked out well for you, NCAA. How'd that Supreme Court ruling do? I'm surprised uh, they're not going to court. Yeah. It wouldn't surprise me. Why not? There, there are plenty of attorneys uh, who will take this case, I'm sure, for the publicity and do it for nothing. Right. So That's the only way you get anything done when they do this stupid. To shift gears, in the league where they play for pay, obviously it's time you know, for what everybody's been waiting for. Our picks. Our picks for the divisions, our picks for the playoffs, and our picks at least to go to the Super Bowl. So, um, far away. You're the man. Great. I've done probably the least amount of prep for an NFL season, I think, ever. Doing a couple fantasy football. Are you a fantasy football guy? No. I don't know if you played and your friends in like college it. started fantasy football, you know, sitting in the dorm room like, well, we should do this. And you're looking at the box no, scores every, every no, Monday morning. No, I was. Could have made a pretty penny on it, Al. It could have been your thing. Very, I, I was in very early on rotisserie baseball many, many, yeah, many there years it is. ago. And I played uh, fantasy football for one year. And I did not like it at all because I didn't like the structure of playing other teams. Yeah. There's no reward for overall baseball is stats. Right. And how your guys do overall for an entire season. It's not, you know, and and there is other aspects of fantasy baseball where you play other teams. Absolutely. There is now, but when, when I started playing, it was rotisserie baseball. It was your guys numbers against the rest of the league's numbers. You know, uh, you didn't play games against other teams your stats against the stats for the guys for the other teams and standings based upon the stats and how everybody does uh, versus playing games against other teams. And that's obviously what fantasy is for football. And I didn't enjoy that at all. So uh, I did it the one year and that, that was it. And yeah. it's obviously a massive moneymaker for all those involved in it. And it's, blown away fantasy uh fantasy baseball into the nth degree right well it's a big undertaking for non-football nerds like myself where years ago i'm playing the madden video games obviously mm-hmm. non-stop so you know everybody on every team seemingly sure. that stopped unless you're researching like crazy on who to take names are very unfamiliar now <laughs> in 2023 after a little while there's a whole new slew of quarterbacks coming into the league now a lot of young guys at that position in general, and those are usually your mainstays. It's a different time now in football, no question about it. So it was interesting this year to be like, wow, I've, it's really passed me by at 33 years old. <laughs> what's, what's happening? I guess before we get to predictions, the question is, if Detroit hangs on here, uh, was Nick Wright's tattoo an invisible ink? be a tough look for the week That's one loss. 20 and 0? But the way things sometimes go when you do stuff like that, never a doubt it's going to go wrong the first week. No disrespect to Nick. It's his team. He's subjective as the day is long when it comes to them. They've got a fabulous quarterback, but they didn't have their star tight end tonight. They didn't have their star defensive tackle, and it showed. They looked a little disorganized on offense, a little confused at times, 
uh, with respect to the routes, obviously he couldn't look for his favorite guy because he's on the sidelines. The defense has done a decent job, but they've run the ball on him and they run it right up the gut, uh, right down their throat. And uh, that's, you know, where the big guy plays, right up the middle. And he hasn't been there. Now, Bosa got in. You know, will they bring their guy in? We'll see. They say they want to get it done. You know, will they get it done? It's only one game, win or loss. Doesn't matter. It's just one game. But I, I think it will be uh, a little disappointing. And the other thing is, you know, how long is Travis Kelsey going to be out? And how effective is he going to be when he's back? Travis Kelsey is his security blanket. Above all else, forget the wide receivers. Travis Kelsey, you know, we've talked about it before. How is it? He's he's one. He's wide open, and two. After he catches the ball, nobody, there's nobody nobody's the around. There's nobody on the screen for thirty yards. It's like somebody freezes time, and someone comes down and just he, moves everybody he, he, to the other side of the field. It, there's a force field around him. It's as simple as that. Nobody can get close. I, I just haven't figured that out yet. So I, I think that's a big factor here in terms of not just when he will come back, but how effective will he be when he comes back, and. Uh, does that have a real negative impact on their start of the season? We'll see. We'll see. The Chiefs are an easy pick to fall back on if you don't know who to pick to win the Super Bowl or to get to the Super Bowl or to win the division in the West of the AFC. You can just basically always say Chiefs. But from everything you said, that's the fear. What happens if Travis Kelsey is banged up, misses a couple early games, and then it's something that lingers throughout the season, and he's got to miss time with that. Well, what, I, what I'm going to do is go out there and make that bold, greeny, greeny bolts. I'm going to make a greeny, bold statement. What we want. My ass. Uh, I'm just going to, you know, go with the odds. And we've talked about it year after year after year on this program. When everybody says, let's run it back, and I always say, everybody says, let's run it back. It's easy to run it back. But you want to know what? No matter whether they were trying to run it back or not, nobody's repeated for 20 years. You know, since the Patriots. So that's what I'm buying. I'm buying that the Chiefs don't repeat, not because I don't like the Chiefs, not because the Chiefs aren't good, just because nobody repeats. And until somebody does, I'm going to keep saying nobody repeats. And I, I don't think they're even going to get to the Super Bowl. AFC is too tough. There's enough other potential suitors in the AFC, including in their own division with the Chargers, the no-no Chargers and their clueless coach. And obviously, uh, you know, the contenders in the North with my Ravens and the Bengals and in the East with – I'm not going to say the Jets, but I am going to say the Bills. And I am going to say the Dolphins and maybe the Jets. And the team that, you know, a, a ton of people are, are loving and rightfully so. And that's Jacksonville. Because they gave the Chiefs a snoot full last year and they've got the young stud at quarterback and they got a lot of weapons and uh, they got a really good coach who's won a Super Bowl. So... A lot of challenges. 
coming out of that conference. How healthy can the Chiefs be? And can they stave everybody off? And I don't know if they can do one of those things or both of those things. Staying healthy is hard. And we've seen it already with Kelsey. Somebody else goes down. I'm not even saying Mahomes. Another receiver goes down. Defender goes down. Sometimes we have a rash of guys go down. Remember what happened in my Ravens a couple of years ago where everybody everybody had a torn ACL. Uh, so they've dodged a lot of bullets. It's hard to keep dodging them. And it really the second most important guy on the team is hurt. And they may pull this game out. Wouldn't surprise me. But I, I do think they are more prone to uh, to being knocked off than they have in the past because I just don't think they have the personnel they've had in the past. If I have to pick a team from the AFC to go to the Super Bowl and win it, I am having a hard time not thinking of anyone else aside from the Cincinnati Bengals. Joe Burrow has had Patrick Mahomes' number until, of course, last year's AFC Championship game. They whooped up on the Bills to get to that game. So he could be Josh Allen, who's another name, obviously, people love to throw out there as, as one of the guys. They've got a great group of receivers. Oh, do Figure things out at running back. The only thing worrisome was who's going to protect Joe. That's always the issue. And they seem to have figured that out, or at least tried to. So if that line can figure it out and he gets time in the pocket, I don't know how you don't like the Cincinnati Bengals to be a Super Bowl contender. He'll pick you apart. And I think T. Higgins is going to have a huge year. I think he's going to have a huge year. They got receivers everywhere you look. Let's take a quick break to pay the bills. He's Al Renato. I'm John Lund. We'll be right back with the new report, old report here on Sports Radio America. We welcome you back. I'm John Lund. He's Al Renato, and this is the new report, old report. And then, of course, you have my club. And this is Lamar's center stage now. He's got his contract. He's got his health. And he's got a new offensive coordinator who has brought a new offense. He's working with Lamar taking Lamar's suggestions on play calls. Obviously, they have far more weapons than they've had in the past with the additions that they've made. Uh, you know, Flowers, the number one pick out of BC. Uh, of course, they've added you know, Odell Beckham Jr. coming off uh, you know, the knee injury. Uh, they brought in you know, Aguilar, who's, I don't want to say well-traveled, but somewhat traveled, and been a bit of a, dis- a, bit of a disappointment in prior stops. Um, they have their prior first round, their first round pick from a couple of years ago, hurt last year, uh, back and hopefully healthy, along with their crew of tight ends. Running backs are back and healthy. Uh, they did lose Marlon Humphrey, uh, who had foot surgery, so he's going to be out a few games. Uh, as usual, they have been subject to a rash of injuries at cornerback, and that is could be an Achilles heel early. But it's the second year for the new offensive coordinator from Michigan who did a great job last year. As time went on, the defense got much better. They couldn't score. They simply could not score. They could not 
score touchdowns. They could not score even before Lamar got hurt. They could not score in the red zone. So that has to change. And we'll see with Todd Munkin uh, what's become of the new offense and if they're able to open it up enough for the three yards in, cl- three yards in cloud of dust, a uh, little more imagination, throw the ball down the field, get wide receivers involved. Hopefully the wide receivers can hang out of the ball because that's been a huge problem, ton of drops. And this is what Lamar has asked for. This is what Lamar's wanted. He'll still run, but Lamar now has to start making the transition to instead of running for his life, you know, winning from the pocket and staying in the pocket for the most part, running when he has to, not just when he wants to. There is no reason that he shouldn't be able to win from the pocket. They have the receivers, they have the offensive line, they have the running game. Now is his time. He said he wants to be more of a thrower. Well, we know you can throw, but can you be accurate in big, in big spots? When the pressure's on and you need to put the ball in the small window, can you do it? Can you make the big-time throw? Can you make the big-time read? Can you make the right read? See the Buffalo playoff game a couple of years ago uh, with the 100-yard interception return. Remember, the Ravens have lost their last two playoff games on 14-point swings at Buffalo. All right. And at Cincinnati, where they were about to take the lead against Cincinnati and memory serves me correct, tie the game against Buffalo. I believe it was was 10-3. And they had 200-yard virtually uh, flips. The pick six in Buffalo and the fumble at the goal line in Cincinnati, both returned for approximately 100 yards. I can't remember teams had that happen to him in two consecutive playoff games. So he has to avoid the big mistake, and he has to make the right decisions from the pocket, and he must take care of the football. He was sloppy with the football last year when he was healthy. That's got to stop. Turnovers are killers. You must protect the football. And he has got to realize that the scrambling – and carry it out there like a loaf of bread, can't happen. You can scramble. You can make plays. But sooner or later, uh, you know the deal. We've seen it with everybody. We saw it with Cam. We saw it with RG3. You know, you don't get faster as time goes on. The defenses get faster because those same guys aren't playing four years later. It's new guys. Younger, younger than you, who can fly. And they've replaced the guys who were before them. And they want to take your head off. And you're not faster than them anymore. And there's going to come a time in the not-too-distant future when Lamar's not faster than them anymore, as great an athlete as he is. Because everybody slows down with age. But these guys don't age. They get replaced by younger guys. And we've seen it happen time and time again. And I don't want it to happen to him. He needs to start being successful not live in the pocket, but he needs to start making his hay more in the pocket than out, more with his arm than one of his legs. And it doesn't have to be, you know, 80-20, but it's got to start being, you know, 65-35, 70-30, 
eventually get to 80-20. Can't be, you know, 60-40 with the wheels, 50-50. Uh-uh. You got to start staying at home. Got to start staying at home and winning from home. I will use a little bias here. I know sometimes we made hard knock jokes you in the past. You can't pick the Broncos no, to do anything. No, well, we're going to the NFC for who's making it to the Super Bowl on that side. I, I will not pick the Denver Broncos, although that would be my favorite team bias. We've made hard knocks jokes before about whatever team is playing or on that show when they're playing that they have the upper hand. I haven't watched this season's hard knocks because I don't care to hear about what Aaron Rodgers is doing on the Jets. But the show quarterback on Netflix, tune into that. Patrick Mahomes, Marcus Mariota, and Kirk Cousins, whom I don't really like. Still not after watching that program. Works his ass off. Great guy to his teammates. Still not a fan. But Minnesota Vikings to the Super Bowl, sign me up. All right. I'm going to give them to you fast. Here we go. AFC East. Bills win the division. AFC South. Jags win the division. I like both. AFC North. Ravens win the division. I'll take that too. AFC West. Chargers win the division. Wild cards. Chiefs out of the West. The Bagels. All right. Out of the North. And here's the hard part. That third wild card. I'm gonna go with the I'm gonna go with the Dolphins. I want to go I, the Dolphins and the Jets. You know, pick them. All right. I'm gonna go with the Dolphins. I, I'm almost rooting for the Jets. Almost. The, the operative word is almost. And uh, in the NFC, obviously the Niners in the West. Uh, the North is a crapshoot. It really is more than any other. But I am gonna do what everybody else has done. Uh, I am gonna pick the Lions, even though. You know, some people are saying Green Bay is coming, uh, you know, with the log train. Uh, and I love Justin Fields, but uh, you've got your Vikings who won you know, a gazillion games by a field goal point last year. Uh, but I'm going with uh, I'm going with Detroit. The South is the worst division in football. Flip a coin. I have no really idea. It's just unbelievable. I have absolutely no idea who's going to win, so I'm just going to guess. And because I like a lot of their young players and I like their coach, and because sooner or later something's got to go right in Atlanta for the Falcons and Arthur Blank, I'm going to pick Atlanta because we all love the young running back. And uh, who knows, maybe the quarterback will turn out to be okay. We love the concessions on Sundays, affordable food. Come on, support for Arthur Blank. And I don't know how you can't pick the Eagles. I'm going with the Eagles in the East. Yep. And for the for the three wild cards, I really don't like anybody in the West. Uh, obviously, no one in the South. So I'm, I'm going. Got to go with the Cowboys, number one. And the other two wild cards in the NFC to me are like just so totally up for grabs. Believe it or not, I'm going to take a flyer on. Are they still the commanders or did they change again? Commanders now, yes. I'm going to take a shot on Ron Rivera and 
the skilled people in the defense. And I, I, you know, I, I can't pick anybody in the North. I, I guess I'll go with, I guess could all could all three wildcards come from the East? They can't all come from the East. Uh, and somebody's got to you know, get knocked off enough in the division. Let, let me go with, uh, oh God. Let me go with when it uh, let me go with Pete Carroll. I know I'm going to regret it. I'll, I'll go with Seattle, even though I can't play thing in the playoffs with Chino Smith again. I think I'm better. I think I'm better off picking some. You know what? You go ahead. You go ahead. I'll come up with my last pick in a minute. Fire white. I'm the same way for decent majority of most of what you said, which not great for anybody listening. Fade accordingly. I will also take the Bills and the Bengals to or the Ravens. I'm sorry to win those divisions. The South, I like the Jaguars. I think that would be a ton of fun. The West, I also think the Chargers can do it. I will not pick the Broncos, sadly. Playoff-wise, for the wild card, I will go Jets, although I don't want to see it happen. Chiefs, obviously. And if the Dolphins stay healthy at quarterback, how can you not get in with all the moves they've made? The East... The Eagles, the NFC North, I will take the Lions, the South, I'll go Saints. <laughs> really, just don't play this season. And the West, I will continue to smoke whatever they have going in San Francisco and take the Niners, which means I'll put the Cowboys in. Eh. Yeah, Cowboys, throw them into the wild card. Ugh. I don't know if I could believe in the Packers like a lot of people want you to. So I, well, I'll throw in the Vikings, obviously, if they're going to make my Super Bowl. I better get into the postseason. And then I'll say the Commanders. We're riding right, so with I'm, Sam at QB. I'm, I'm one team away, right? I, I took right. Philly, Dallas. And the commanders. So I need a I need a third wild card in the NFC. Yeah. Oh Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh, you know I'm stick I'm sticking with Seattle. That's the funny. division is bad enough. Right. That you know because I, I I don't think the Rams are going to be very good, and we know that the Cardinals are an embarrassment. So I'm going to go with Seattle, and I'm going to be a complete homer. Uh, I am going for a Super Bowl prediction. Uh, uh, the birds, the birds are going to fly. The Ravens of Baltimore and the Eagles shall return. Wow. It's an all-bird Super Bowl. Lamar and Jalen Hurts go mano a mano. That's my Super Bowl prediction. The 2023 season, 2024 postseason. Do your, do your best, folks, to fade that as quickly as possible. Fade accordingly, as we always say on this show. And to close things up, 21-20. Detroit Lions pull it off over the Kansas City Chiefs on the road. Mahomes gets outplayed by Jared Goff. Can't score three touchdowns. The Lions defense did just enough and had their way. And some stupid 
on the last possession by the Chiefs, both offensively and defensively, you could argue. And the receivers for Kansas City, shockingly, suck. And we have one word for our great friend Nick Wright uh, and his 20-0 tattoo. That one word, erase. Get out the what helps with invisible ink showing it up on paper. Is it like lemon juice or something? Is there we gotta start Googling home remedies to erase tattoos? He simply tweeted out, Welp, see y'all tomorrow at 3 p.m. Eastern time, I guess. <laughs> Turns out when you have the best quarterback in the National Football League, you still need a player or two to be able to throw it to. Who knew? Maybe next time he could just pull a Giselle, as she said, and have him just throw it up to himself. Forget passing it to people. <laughs> just throw it up to yourself, man. He was the leading rusher in the game. Just miserable. You had all offseason to prepare for this, and that's what the Chiefs did. Shout out yeah, to the Lions. They, They're for real, man. But they prepared all offseason with Travis Kelsey. True. Very true. Turns out he's an important piece. <laughs> Noah Gray, I guess, ain't it. <laughs> <laughs> No surprise there. D is the most important piece, plain and simple. He's proven that season, season after season after season. Excited to kick it off. Al, it's always a pleasure. We'll do it again next week. Folks, for my partner, the great John Tiny Lund, I am Al Renato, a.k.a. Al from White Plains. Enjoy the first week of the NFL weekend. Baseball pennant races everywhere you look, and we're on the verge of having an all-USA women's final at the U.S. Open on Saturday. Have a great sports weekend, everybody. We'll be back 8 p.m. Eastern time here on Sports Radio America. You can listen at sportsradioamerica.com and interact with the show there as well or find us on the TuneIn app by searching for Sports Radio America. You can also follow John Lund under the same handle on Twitter at London Bridge. Thanks again for listening. <laughs>